If you intensely participated in the singing of praise, you do have a very good idea of what the lesson is about because Troy put a lot of thought into it and it complements well what we'll be looking at from the Word of God. And if you listen to Kyle, who had obviously put a great deal of time in preparing the Lord's Supper meditation, you've got a really good idea of what this lesson is all about. What's so great about the gospel? What is so compelling about the cross of Jesus Christ? What is it about the truth of God that is so transforming? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Y'all, we're going on a treasure hunt this morning. And the treasures are far greater than any you have ever imagined. Look in your Bibles at Ephesians 1 verse 3. And then follow that up with verse 7. Ephesians 1 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then he says in Ephesians 1-7 that we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins by his blood according to the riches of his grace. We're going on a treasure hunt. A treasure hunt that will help us to see the riches of His grace. Now turn in your Bibles to Romans. And we're about to focus especially on Romans 5, 1 through 11. But before we get to Romans 5, 1 through 11, we need to end Romans 4 because it opens the door to what we are going to be focusing on this morning and the wonders of grace. In that passage, verse 25, Paul through the Holy Spirit writes, He was delivered for our offenses and He was raised for our justification. And now we get to chapter 5. And chapter 5 is a revelation of the wonders of God's grace. Chapter 5 is all about the benefits and the blessings of salvation. Chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 is about the beauty of what it means to be in Christ. 
Now, what I'm going to do this morning is show you seven treasures that really bring out the beauty and the benefits of being in Christ. And what's especially great about it is every single one of them come right out of Romans 5, 1 through 11. And you can see it in your own copy of God's Word, whether paper or digital edition. When you look at this passage and we start to uncover the wonders of God's grace, this great treasure, the first treasure I want you to notice is a scroll. A scroll. And the scroll has the appearance of a very old document. And it has wording that makes it sound very much like a treaty. And it has so much in it that lets us know that it had to be really important. And it is a document signed by the king himself. And the document says, the scroll reads, Therefore, having been justified through faith, having been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Christ Jesus. What I want you to see, this is not just any kind of scroll. This is a scroll from the king. And this is not just any kind of treaty. It is a peace treaty. Because of faith in Christ, we can have peace with God and be justified. We can be made right and declared right with God. We can have peace with God due to Jesus. And there are affirmations, I am absolutely convinced, upon studying Romans chapter 5 for years and years. Paul knew how to speak French. Wee, 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 wee. You look at Romans 5 and Bill was already starting to laugh because he spent a lot of time in Romans 2. Wee, 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 wee. Look for the we's in the passage because the affirmations are there. We have peace with God through Christ Jesus our Lord. He made peace by the blood of his cross, Colossians 1.20. He is the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9 and verse 6. He would say, my peace give I unto you. My peace I leave with you, John 14.27. He would say through the Apostle Paul that we can have a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. We can have perfect peace. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. The scroll is signed in red by Jesus. Through his blood we are justified and through his blood written in red we have peace 
with God. That's a treasure. That is a treasure beyond any human's ability to comprehend that we can be justified, not guilty, made right. What crime? No crime has been committed. And that the blood of Jesus gives us peace with God. Some people never really know a whole lot of peace as far as worldly circumstances. Maybe you know someone like that. But how thankful everyone can be that there's peace with God. Treasure number two. Treasure number two is a golden key. A golden key. There is this scroll that comes from the Creator Himself, our God and King, stating how justification and peace are possible with God in Christ. But there's a golden key. A golden key that gives us access to the blessings of God and helps us to stand in grace. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Access. The whole idea of the Old Testament was that God is great and holy and only one person on one day every year could go into the holy of holies in the temple and the tabernacle area. Access through someone else, but denied. Access denied. He made peace through the blood of the cross, Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Jesus did. But Jesus provides the golden key that gives us access to the grace of God in which we stand. You talk about a key that unlocks riches untold, riches unimaginable, riches far greater than we could ever begin to explain. The word there that's translated access, you may have the word introduction, is only found here and in Ephesians 2, 18, and chapter 3, and verse 12. Jesus, our priest, our perfect high priest, makes it possible for all of us to have access to the riches that are found in God. A golden key. You see, when Jesus died and when he was proclaimed by the apostles, they were telling everybody about the availability of the key to God's wealth, God's riches in Christ, God's grace. His unmerited favor at the expense of Christ is given to us when we were due anger. Look again at Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. And here's a third treasure. 
And listen to these. What we have is justification and peace with God and through faith access to the amazing grace of God. And if that were all that he said, that would be enough. It would still be amazing. But he doesn't stop. What he says at the end of verse 2, I call a brilliant, flawless diamond. The third treasure is a brilliant, flawless diamond. It is a diamond so exquisite, you just have to hold it up in the light and see how it radiates and shines and glows. It's brilliant and flawless. What is this treasure that's a brilliant, flawless diamond? We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Wow. Kyle, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Psalm 19.1, your Lord's Supper meditation. It was good because it came from the God who is the God of all grace. John 1.14-17. 1, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because of sin, we fell short of His glory. Romans 3.23. When Jesus comes back, it'll be a glorious appearing. So says Paul in Thessalonians. Jesus shows us the glory of the Father. And guess what? We get to see something of the glory of God in us because we belong to Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 Rejoice in hope. Hope is that word that is a diamond. It's flawless and beautiful and perfect. And hope means eager anticipation and confident expectation. Eager anticipation and confident expectation. That's hope. It's not just the desire to believe something we know is not true or that we wish was, but it isn't. Hope saves, Romans 8, 24. Hope is an anchor, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Hope is living if we are a Christian, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Now abides hope, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. God has given us everlasting comfort and good hope through grace, 2 Thessalonians 2, 16. What a passage. What treasure. 
And the passage says, Hope does not disappoint as you keep reading. Hope does not make us ashamed. Hope doesn't make us embarrassed. You know, I've been embarrassed about a lot of things I've said and done. I've been ashamed about quite a few things I've said and done over the years. But I have no need to be embarrassed or ashamed of saying that I want to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And you don't either. There's nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed of in that. Amen. I want to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. A fourth treasure. And what's, what's kind of amazing is how Scripture shifts gears on us. You know, I think about that scroll, justification and peace with God signed with in blood by Jesus himself. I think of the golden key. I think of what we have just talked about. But here's a fourth treasure, and you'll see it in verses 3 through 5. A cocoon. A cocoon. And you know what a cocoon is. A cocoon is what a butterfly is before a butterfly gets to be a butterfly. It's kind of like that, isn't it? It's kind of like that, right? It's a cocoon. Notice how the section begins. Not only that, but... We rejoice in our sufferings. Where's the we, we, we section? We rejoice in our sufferings. You talk about an attitude adjustment. Being in Christ makes all the difference in how we view our tribulations and our difficulties. And the word here in the original language is a word that just, re just reeks with pressure and heartache. We rejoice in our sufferings, our tribulation is how it's often translated in a number of versions. It's the same word that's found in John 16, 33. In this world you will have tribulation, but rejoice, I've overcome the world. It's the same word that's found in Acts 14, 22, when Paul says, with but much tribulation will enter the kingdom of God. We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing... You see that? We rejoice in our sufferings knowing. Knowing that the trying of our faith works patience. James 1, 2 through 4. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Listen. 
it gives us a different perspective on pressures and heartache and difficulty in life. This treasure does it. We, have, we are a cocoon because how we view pressure, tribulation, is tribulation and suffering produce perseverance, patience. 1 Timothy 6, 11. Long-suffering, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. In your patience possess you your souls, Luke 21, 19. Perseverance produces character. In other words, it makes us more like Jesus. The embodiment of character, it produces character. Job would say... When he has tested me, Job 23.10, I shall come forth as gold. Oh, to be able to say what Job said. When he has tested you and when you have had your faith put to the test, will you come forth as gold to his praise? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, when tried to come forth as a vessel of honor and praise to the glory of God. And then what does character produce? What's the text say? Character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint or make us ashamed. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. A fourth treasure. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Romans 5, 5 through 8. What have we looked at so far? We've looked at a scroll. We've looked at a golden key. We have looked at what? Huh? A diamond. And we've looked at what? A cocoon of all things. Our God is far, far greater than our sufferings, and if we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. Romans 8, 17 and 18. Now this fifth one. The treasure of an infinitely costly, fragrant perfume. the treasure chest of grace, the wonders of grace, and a bottle of infinitely costly, fragrant perfume. It would make the lady in Luke 7 
verses 36 through 50, who anoints Jesus. And everyone says, about her, don't, doesn't the Jesus know that this woman is a sinner? And she does so much for Jesus because she loves so much. What that woman did was precious and a sweet aroma to Jesus. And it honored him. But what she did pales in comparison to what Mary did in John 12. In John 12, Jesus speaks of this. John 12, Mary takes some very per fragrant perfume, this is very costly, a year's wages, Judas would say, approximately. And she anoints Jesus. And the fragrance goes throughout the house. And what Mary did was beautiful and costly and precious, but it's nothing like the bottle of infinitely cost causing and fragrant perfume that's given in Romans 5, 5 through 11. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Romans 5, 5 through 11 says this perfume is given with love from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit. You know, you can, you can look at fragrances, colognes, and perfumes, and one of the things today that will go through your mind is, man, that is a chunk of change for just something to smell good. It doesn't begin to compare with Romans 5, 5 through 8. And this is the fragrance. The love of God. The love of God. From the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to us. And the we word isn't stated specifically, but it doesn't have to be, Bryce. Because even a young guy from Andrews, Texas, and a bald, pudgy fella from, from Tennessee can get this. We are incredibly loved. We are incredibly loved. God, through the Spirit, sheds His love in our hearts. The Spirit whom He's given to all. The Spirit through Scripture tells us of God's great love. And the Spirit through providence tells us of God's great love as we look all about us. And then the same passage says, God demonstrates His love. In that Christ died for us. Well, you know, you give very costly gifts to people who mean an awful lot to you. Who does God give this exquisite perfume to? The gift of his phenomenal love. Is incredible love. Who does he give it to? What does the passage say? Verse 6. He gives it to those who are powerless and without strength. 
He gives this love to those who are ungodly. He gives this love to sinners. Verse 10, He gives this love to His enemies. And if God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit would love so greatly and give such treasure to the without strength and the ungodly and the sinners and the enemies. Think about how God's love must be toward those who are in His family. Who are citizens in His kingdom. Number six. Look at verses 9 and 10. Another treasure out of the treasure chest. It's a map. It's a map. It's a map because we have been saved when we were enemies by His death. We've been justified by His death. We're going to be saved by His life. And you've got a picture of a map. And this map is a treasure map. And this map is the most important map you will ever consider that you might ever be privileged to behold with your eyes this side of eternity because this map says the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go the way of the cross leads home. Oh, the blessings that are going to await those who follow Jesus home. But oh, the blessings we get to enjoy now as His people. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Now verse 11. Verse 11. And as we look into the treasure chest as we consider the wonders of grace. Verse 11, Paul through the Holy Spirit pulls out a song, S-O-N-G, a song. And the song is victory in Jesus. Or salvation has been brought down. Or love lifted me. Look at verse 11. More than that. That's the second one of those. Not just that. More than that. We, 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 we. Paul the Frenchman. We also rejoice in God. 
we have received the reconciliation. We rejoice in God. Now and forever, we rejoice, we boast, we glory in God. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ. Galatians 6, 14 through 17. A song. A song. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. We have received the reconciliation and we can rejoice in God In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. My joy give I to you. John 15, 11. God, our exceeding joy. Psalm 43 and verse 4. And here's something so often true. Romans has been talking about the depths of God's eternal plan and how awesome it is. And all Paul can do as he considers the benefits and blessings of it is say, every single one of us ought to be singing Redemption's sweet song. We ought to be rejoicing in God. You can tell an awful lot about a person by what they really rejoice in. Some people rejoice in sticking a knife in somebody else's back. Some people rejoice in gossip. Some people rejoice in the pleasures of sin. But the people of God mustn't be so shallow and so worldly and so sinful. We rejoice in God himself. Thank God for the salvation he makes possible in Christ. You see, such a person who's in Christ is justified and hath peace with God. You see, a person who's in Christ has accepted Christ through faithful obedience and stands in God's grace. You see, this person rejoices in hope of what Jesus did and eagerly anticipates what God's going to do, knowing full well that God keeps his word, every promise. I've not always kept my word in life, and sometimes I have not kept my word to people that I really loved. God will keep his word every single thing he says. Those who are in Christ are sheltered like a cocoon in a time of storm. Those who are in Christ have had the perfume of God's rich love poured out on them. Those that are in Christ know that we have a treasure map that takes us all the way home that begins with what Jesus has done at the cross and takes us all the way to eternity. And those that are in Christ have a song. The lesson is yours. Let us stand and sing.